Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right, everybody. I got the great and powerful, my favorite post-libertarian, Mark Clare on the show. <laughs> I don't do labels anymore. I don't do labels, but but whatever. I won't run away from them either. People can call, say whatever they want. So yes, yeah, yeah. so I'm happy to be here, Kyle. Nice, yeah, dude. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Um, it was funny. I've been listening to Pete and you quite a bit, and in particular that uh, most recent show you did with him, uh, Cyprian, and um you guys hit on a lot of the stuff that I think a lot of libertarians should be kind of thinking about. Um, And it's been real fun kind of watching you become a little bit more perhaps bold as we were kind of saying off camera. Um, It's a nice way to put it. Right. (laughs) You've kind of played uh, neutral for so long and then eventually you decided, well, perhaps I should speak up about, you know, being truthful. So I know some people address you as angry Mark Claire now, but I think it's more. Dave just... gave me that one. Dave Smith gave me that one and I, right. I embraced it. Why not? Yeah. Well, I think it's more. Just <laughs> I'm not like... really angry at all. I'm pretty, I'm a pretty yeah. happy person generally, but you know, whatever. Yeah. No, that's, that's the way I see it. I think you're just kind of realizing like, okay, well, if we just sit here and scream about the map and yell on Twitter, then, you know, th- this has an advanced liberty in our lifetimes. You've had a show for what, eight years now. And yeah. Yeah, and what's, just over eight years. It right. started in October of 2013. Well, what's the difference between now and then? Things have only oh gotten God. worse. So oh it's God, so much. <laughs> it's reasonable for you to kind of you know point it out and say like, hey, something we're doing here is not working, and that's why I think the post-libertarian moment is. So um, I guess real quick, kind of elaborate on 2020 for you and how that kind of I guess shook the way you see things or what kind of sprung you more into action. I guess. Sure. Yeah. There's um, a few places to start. Let's see. So at the time when the the pandemic, I'm going to put it in quotes, actually, I'm going to start doing that now for, for anybody that can't see me. Yeah. Um, when this all started, all the hype and everything, like most other people, it was just background news to me, you know, because I've seen I've been through swine flu and bird flu and H1 and all these different flus that they seem to pop up in the media they act like it's a big deal for a minute, but I never care and no one else ever seems to care and yeah. we just seem to move on. So I thought, oh, it's just another one of those things. Uh, and then obviously we all know what happened. And um, at the time I was uh, immediately like my my job was shut down immediately, my work. Now, luckily, the place I worked 
took really good care of us, actually, I, I will say right away. Um, so for a while, I was actually for about six weeks, I was actually paid not to work, which was sweet. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Right. Um, I, I was very concerned, obviously, like I wasn't just laving it up. In fact, that's when um, my wife and I started to get really super extra health conscious. And we were just like focusing on our health and and really like using the, the time to uh, because at the time, you know, my, my wife is from Mexico where I where I'm here now. And I ironically enough or interestingly enough like right as in march 2020 march 2020 the conversation we were having was oh my god we have so much work in april she had a bunch of uh, like tv shoots and commercial shoots in, in mexico i had a bunch of production stuff like and we we're like oh well, how we're not even gonna have time to see each other next month what are we gonna do and that was our concern and then poof suddenly <laughs> my work was shut down her work was shut down yeah. suddenly we had all the time in the fucking world <laughs> to, uh and now I saw people going in different directions this time. A lot of a lot of people were just like, "Sweet!" Like, I guess it depended on, on where they were. Like, I I know a lot of people in the TV industry because I lived in Los Angeles, and most people that work in, in like in TV production anyway, the vast majority of them are not full time employees. So I was actually really lucky that I was a full time employee by a company that did take care of me for some time. Um, but a, a lot of people were just immediately out of work. And I know a lot of friends that like one day they had a whole slate of, of months of work lined up. The next day they had nothing. And yeah. I saw restaurants shutting down. I saw my, my favorite places I knew shutting down while also driving by McDonald's with the line down the street. So things just were not adding up. The toilet paper stuff. I'm like, I don't really get what's going on right now, but it's, it's, I think for a while I didn't want to admit to myself what was going on, you know, because like I've I've been around the block for a while here. I've known what tyranny is for a while, but it always still felt a little sci-fi to me. You we, know? we were you know, so it, consistent for so long, and this just magically came into our laps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, I think you don't always want to accept what what you kind of know sometimes, especially right. when it's not a good thing or it's yeah. not a comfortable thing. But it's what was happening is the kind of stuff Alex Jones was screaming about in 2007, 2008, that I at the time would hear and say, okay, but that he's probably, okay, it's probably not really going to happen like that, right? right. And uh, guess what? It happened like that. So, <laughs> I mean, I think I was going through this thing where I, I, I wanted to think that, you know, this was just a dream or like it wasn't really this bad. This was just some, something everyone was going to get over in a couple of weeks, but it, it clearly became clear that that was not the case. Yeah. Um, but you know, while that was going on, like I said, we're focusing on our health. We actually took it as like a huge blessing because we got to spend all this time together and it led to us getting married. So like, I see it as a positive, but I did end up being going from being take if, taken care of by my job to being put on furlough by my job. I didn't have income for several months, which is the first time I spent a number of months. Well, it's not the first time I did. I spent a number of months in Mexico about a decade ago, mm -hmm. um, just traveling around on my own. But uh, it was the first time I spent significant time in Mexico, really living in Mexico, not just being a traveler, backpacking around and, and what have you. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, though, I did go back um, to my old life, I guess you could say in Los Angeles, uh, my old job, but this is where the discomfort was starting to creep back in again. Cause I was actually like the happiest I had ever been in my life. Those months that we were in Mexico when I was on furlough and we were just focusing on our health. I was focusing on podcasting. Uh, I, we were working out every day. I got in the best shape of my life. Like I, I lost literally lost 30 pounds, uh, while oh, I lived nice. there felt better than ever. And it, it really woke me up to, to realize because the life I was living before, you know, in the TV industry, especially like there's no, there's no nine to five. Like that's not a thing. Uh, not, not in production anyway. Um, and so like I, I, 
for decade or more, I had worked really crazy hours. Like sometimes I work late, sometimes I work early. I'm a psycho, so sometimes I took a, I took another production on a weekend. So I'm like working late one night, going in early the next day, and this in this constant cycle. And having that time away from all that really showed me how. Um, Without even you prompting me, I'm getting into all the health stuff. Uh, it showed me how unhealthy living that lifestyle was for me. And, yeah. I, and I saw how much healthier I was having more time right. or more time to set my own schedule, having a schedule, like a real schedule in my life. People have no um, idea and, how important that is, actually. Oh, yeah it's, yeah. it's huge. I mean, even even on the micro scale, like even now, I mean, it's something I'm still struggling with and because I'm not – I have a very scattered mind. Like my mind's like all over the place. Even when I'm working on one thing, I'm thinking of 20 other things. I'm probably thinking of 20 other things right now while I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I've, the more I've been able to schedule my weeks, my days, like it's very obvious the days that I have a schedule and I have planned out the things I'm going to do and I stick to it way less stress. The days that I just have things to get done, but I don't have any organization to it are the days I just constantly, you know, I feel like I'm clawing and, 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 you know, just, falling behind and, and slowly losing my mind throughout the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it really opened my eyes to things. So when I went back to LA, it, it, I, I, I think I was experiencing some kind of cognitive dissonance. Like, okay, I'm doing the smart thing. I'm back in my six plus figure, six, not six plus figure, six figure job. Um, I wasn't making, making a seven figures here. Uh, you know, I'm back in my cozy job and frankly, my job wasn't challenging. It wasn't difficult to me anymore. I've been doing it for so long that I could almost do it with my eyes closed. Um, but it paid really well and it kept the bills paying. And I was in the middle of immigration with my wife, um, work, getting her green card. You have to show the income for that. So there were like a lot of practical reasons for me to be in that job and stick with that job. But at the same time, like I knew that this, that I, I needed to at least be more in the life I was in before for my health. And look, sure enough, I, I started getting some of the weight back. I never gained all 30 pounds back, but I probably gained 10 of it back, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm now I'm in LA and now I'm in production. Now I'm, oh, here's the snacks. Ah, maybe I'll just have one snack because they're there because they pay for them. You know, there's crafty food here. Uh, maybe I'll just have one Coke today because I'm kind of tired. You know? One turns into three, yeah. <laughs> Easily, yeah. I've never been a big soda guy, but like, yeah, if I'm if I'm tired and I'm three hours into a seven hour show and I see a Coke, like I'm I might be grabbing that Coke. So it's like it's just those little things that you know they they so easily add back up. But mm -hmm. I also knew, like like you said, like these conversations. The reason I had Pete and Cyprian back on is because it was their conversations even before COVID. They were starting to have conversations that were starting to get me to think differently, and it was really hitting me hard when they were talking about it in the beginning because it was it was helping me pull myself out of the cognitive dis cognitive dissonance of of saying this is fine, you know, it's probably not that bad. But while while I guess just like now with me, like you could say they're black pilled by pointing out the elephant in the room or the tigers in the room, I guess you should say, I, I actually found inspiration and hope in their conversations because, you know, when you recognize reality and you can accept it for what it is like, okay, that's step one. And now you can, once you accept that, once you mourn the loss of the world, you thought that we were in, you can actually move on then. And you can actually build something else for yourself. And it took me some time to do, but I think anybody that doesn't realize we're not in a different world than we were two years ago. And I don't mean in the, in the great reset, great before way the mainstream tries to tell us we're in a new world now, but look around you, look at the way your friends and family. Now, hopefully some of you, they, they didn't act crazy, but <laughs> I'd be surprised if somebody ever, anybody didn't have at least some friends or family that completely changed who they are and, and how they act. I don't know how you can look around the world around you and, and think things haven't changed and, and that you hadn't, that you haven't learned something to act differently than you did five or six years ago. If you're, if you're acting the same way or you're thinking the same way, then I think your head's in the sand. And I just think 
like I'm not like some great enlightened Buddha who understands everything now, but I, I certainly know that I just can't keep doing the same things, pounding my head against the wall and having the same arguments, the same conversations, the same debates over and over and over. And I'm talking to myself here because I hosted those debates. <laughs> you can't just have the same debates over and over and over and expect to, to get anything out of it. Right. And it seems like there's still people doing this to this day. And really, to throw it back to like Pete, um, Pete and Tho Bishop in particular, I remember watching your debate that you hosted with uh, Dave and Tho. And at first, I'm like, man, fuck Tho. I'm like, I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> right. And then, like, over time, I kept listening to him and I kept listening to some of the other guys. And then I got on Twitter probably about six months ago, um, right around when I started oh, this show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's why, I, that's why I already know your name though. You know, so it's, <laughs> Twitter is an amazing thing. Yeah. It's <laughs> ebbs and flows, right? Ups and downs. Mm -hmm. But I, I kept listening to him and I'm like, you know what? Maybe he's got a point. So I kind of threw some rocks his way on Twitter and I'm like, all right, gotcha. Come on the show. And then after talking to him, I'm like, well, you know, maybe these guys who want to go the GOP route or just kind of thinking in a different way than your standard libertarian of just throw up memes and say vote LP no matter what, um, maybe he's got a point. And I really kind of opened my eyes to the fact that at this point, we can no longer just sit here and always be right, right? Because this is this is what the Libertarian Party has essentially been for the last however long, right? I voted for Joe Jorgensen and I voted for Gary Johnson, but you know, ultimately, what did that lead to? <laughs> you know, one percent of the vote, four percent of the vote, and then we still ended up locked in our homes two years ago. Um, and then there were vaccine mandates across the state for me, and in a city that's you know where John lives, John Odermatt. Yeah, um, yeah. So it kind of awoke me to the fact that like when you're playing this libertarian party kind of game sometimes it's like a no win or it's a no lose position because you could say well if everybody would have just voted for joe jorgensen none of this stuff would have happened so i'm right <laughs> so you guys are all wrong because if you guys would have just listened to me then we wouldn't be here but you know look at me i can remain principled over here and i don't have to accept that i did anything wrong well, this right. is why I respect the post. When you when you guys. take a position that you know isn't real and can never be real and it has no chance of being, you know, something that's going to happen, uh, then you can. It's so easy to say, well, right. if you just did it my way, things right. would be different. Well, even though my way is never going to yeah. fucking happen. Yeah. So, anyways, it's a it's kind of a long tangent to say that uh, when you look at somebody like Tho or Pete, when they say, "Hey, let's do this GOP route," um, they I may not always agree with the fact that they'll. I want to say kind of side skirt by some of the criticisms, but they're saying, look, this isn't a perfect solution, but like, this is what we have at this point, And this is viable. And, you know, to a lesser degree here in Pennsylvania, and I know I sound like a fucking broken record, you know, we're having some success here in PA. Now what that ultimately leads to, I have no idea. And if it fails, I'll be the first one to admit it fails, but um, you know, they're saying, look, this is an imperfect solution, but it's what we got. Let's try this. You know, I, I, I admire them a lot more for just saying like, Hey, this is a solution and this can work rather than just constantly sitting here saying, you know, well, if we just abolish public schools and we abolish the government, then we'll be in Ankapistan. Okay. Well, what, what's, what's the road? And if no we just, if we just do this thing <laughs> that no one in the society wants to do and that we can't do, then yeah, everything will be great. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Where I, does that get us? Right. And how do, how the hell do we get there? And, I think that's kind of the question that a lot of people are asking. And sometimes I feel like libertarian influencers just kind of lead the sheep to the slaughter, you know, where you just say, well, <laughs> listen to me. It will be an encapistan. You just keep saying the same message over and over again, but yet nothing changes, but you still feel right because it's like, okay, well, I know the answers. 
but once again, how, how do we get there? Totally. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm not out there, you know, purporting one particular political strategy per se. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not the one pounding on the GOP thing. Although what I am pounding on is not wasting your time and not, you know, participating in fruitless endeavors activities that aren't bearing like, and yes, immediate fruit. Because we need to do, we need immediate results now. And and if people right. don't think we need, if people think we can have a fifty-year, hundred-year project, no, I'm sorry, I mm. I will dispute that. That's even remotely something that should be in the conversation. Um, look, I think it really misunderstands where we are now. If people think we have a have time for some long, grand-scale uh, philosophical uh, revolution or something like that, and look, I. Hi, I've been here since I've been a Ron Paul guy for 20 years. Like I trust me, no one had this vision in their mind of what things could be more than me. Like no one had the starry, no one had starrier eyes for Ron Paul than me and the Ron Paul revolution. Yeah. And thank God started this podcast, um, Lions Liberty. And, and he's been very influential. Unfortunately, we're having a little bit of connectivity issues. It's uh, it's the reason why Trump wanted to build a wall because the Mexican internet is mm -hmm. so terrible. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, you I were mentioned. Yeah, you were uh, kind of giving your anecdotal case about how you're a very, very big Ron Paul supporter, and I've noticed that throughout. Um, you know, the time listening to you is that you know you are kind of the libertarian that I think you're speaking to, right? The Absolutely. idealized kind of guy who wanted to be an Ancapistan, but you just kind of sobered up and said, all right, well, this isn't a reality. So how do we at least make things better rather than just, you know, constantly being right and not actually doing anything? Yeah, not, not only was I that starry-eyed Ron Paul guy, and I'm still a Ron Paul guy. I, I fucking love Ron Paul. Mm -hmm. um, like, like I said, he's, he inspired my podcast. Uh, I, I think he, he was the man at the time for what, what we needed at the time. But mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I don't think the Ron Paul revolution solves, um, you know, solves, solves the issues of today necessarily, right. nor, nor should they be expected to. Because the mm -hmm. issues of today, and yes, maybe we knew it was possible. A lot of people were talking about this coming for some time, but maybe... For most of us, it still seemed like the realm of conspiracy, the realm of science fiction. Well, yeah. it's not. It's not. It's the realm of reality. So now we need to participate in the realm of reality. Right. And I was the king Lulbert. Like, no one, I, I, I would literally, I would spend hours of my day if, if, it, if it felt justified arguing the intricacies of why an anarcho-capitalist society is the, is the best one and the morally righteous one. I would spend so much time arguing this stuff why? Because I knew I was right. And that's all I cared about was right. knowing I was right. And when people would tell me this, I would think, well, you're just a statist. They'd say, oh, well, you, you just want to be right. And they'd be like, that's what someone, that's what someone wrong would say, you know, in my <laughs> mind. Well, you're just saying that because you're an idiot and you don't know what yeah. the fuck you're talking about. And you haven't read Rothbard and you haven't read her human action. Yeah. But now actually I see what those people were saying now, now that I can step outside of myself a little bit, it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm, I'm out here talking about fairy tales and they have real world problems that need to be solved. Yeah. So yeah, that is how most of us sound, especially now, if you're still saying the same thing. So that's how you sound to me now, the way that, the way that, you know, I sounded to other people back in the day, you just sound like you're just, you know, participating in a fantasy and, and I, 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 to, to steal Pete's phrase, living in an encapacity in your head, to, to, to trigger some people with that. Um, I'm not saying we, sh we shouldn't philosophize, but if you can't directly apply your philosophy to the real world, then what good is it in this, in this time? 
doesn't mean we shouldn't have a philosophical conversation. It's, it's a good one to have, but your philosophy isn't stopping people losing their jobs and it's still happening by the way, for all these people saying, Oh, the narrative is collapsing. And no, there's nothing's collapsing. All right. If anything, everybody that believed that was all crazy about COVID wants to stick Russians in a gulag now. And as soon as they think you like the Russians, you'll be in that same fucking gulag. Nothing has changed. Nothing at all. Some, 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 some things have shifted. I still know people, some people, a lot of people actually that are still facing vaccine mandates from employers, new vaccine mandates from employers that are still starting to come in today. So yes, maybe the narrative has changed, but the effects of it haven't. And the people that have been totally warped by this whole thing haven't. And the direction things are going haven't. So, so don't just rest on your laurels and think, Hey, we got through the COVID thing. Everything's cool. Back to your nine to five. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of seems what it's been for the last two years is that, you know, prior to that, it was like a more loose whack-a-mole where, you know, they would kind of say like, all right, well, here's this issue. And then the next issue would arise and then, okay, well that's shoved down your throat. Now it seems like they've just cranked up the dial. And once again, there's still libertarians that are just, you know, I want to have the correct take on everything all the time, no matter what. Okay. Well, what good is that take if we can't do anything with it? Right. And I, I get it. I'm all for it, but this is why I like, I almost don't like talk about the privatization of stuff or get too crazy in the philosophy anymore, just because it sounds like such a fucking circle jerk. And I'm sorry, I don't want to participate that in that. So kind of my goal for the show has been mainly, I want libertarians to become better people, right? Because if you're a better person, then you're more likely to have people listen to your message and take what you say seriously. So, I mean, if we want to spread this message, then this is where the post libertarians are absolutely right in their criticisms of everybody pursuing political action is that you should be a better person, though wealth, power, and influence. Um, This is something that we should all pursue. But, you know, if you're just telling people to read books and, you know, you're not educated enough because you haven't read my entire library, nobody's going to do that. No, there's not going to be this giant awakening where everybody adopts Bitcoin and everybody's read Rothbard. That's not happening. And I think more people need to come to that realization. And by the way, if if your answer to something is read this book... Well, then you need to, even in the philosoph- even staying in the philosophical realm, even putting aside, does this apply to real life? Even in the philosophical realm, if your answer to someone's questions are read this book, well, then you don't, I guess you don't really know. You can't even explain it yourself. So I guess right. you need to read the book yeah. and then learn how to translate that into real human talk that you can actually have a conversation with someone about. So I think even if you wanted to stay in the realm of philosophy, it was always just frankly insulting to tell people, just go read this thousand page book and then you'll get it, dummy. I mean, yeah. that, and that's the attitude that, cause I know, cause I had that attitude. So I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm just describing myself and I see myself in so many others and I'm trying to save maybe some people like a decade of time, like about how much time I spent just hammering away on the same thing over and over and over. Never, but the thing, here's the thing. It was very much a hobby to me too. It was like, okay, I can have these ideas and la 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 and be right about everything. And, but I can't see it as a hobby anymore. Like, no, this is real life. And I, maybe because I've been smacking the face harder by it than most people or than a lot of people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing, you know, I, I can't tell you how much money I'm, I, I am out, not just because of COVID, but you know, I guess you could say because of decisions I made within that, within that regard. But I know a lot of people that I, I see around me who, are caving to everything who have caved to every mandate who have, you know, rolled up their sleeve even after proclaiming, Oh, I, this is wrong. I shouldn't have to do this. Second, their job is under threat. Second, some luxury is under threat. Roll that sleeve up, baby. And if that's what you're doing, 
look, I'm not like I'm not I'm not trying to judge. Like I get it. Everyone's got tough decisions to make. I had tough decisions to make too. But again, that's why you need to go back to cleaning your own house. That's why you need to get your spiritual house in order, your mental house in order, your physical house in order, your financial house in order, because all those things together are what's going to make you either spiritually strong enough to resist the next time or financially strong enough that you know, like, okay, fine, I can tell them to fuck off because I have some things going on or whatever it may be. But you need to focus on that stuff. And that's why I would say focus on all of that before you even consider going into politics, before you even sniff politics. Right. What are you even going to accomplish in politics? And how are you going to tell anybody? I have the solutions. I have the solutions to you, but I can't pay my rent next week. Oh, so you you want to have my solutions and be in my government and run my my city council, but you don't know where you, you had to fucking roll up your sleeve to get a, the vaccine, or you were gonna be able to pay rent next week? No, why am I listening to you? You're the last person I would listen to. I'm not gonna listen to anybody that has to follow a mandate because if they didn't, they couldn't feed their family the next week. No, I don't. Those people don't deserve to be listened to. No, absolutely, I 100% agree, and that's kind of what I was getting at earlier when I said kind of leading the sheep to the slaughter is that you have a lot of people, and some of them are not impressive people. And I'm sure there's some impressive people as well um, who listen to all the biggest libertarian podcasts, and they're telling people get involved, get involved, get involved, and okay, yes, I, I think you should get involved, but are you in that position that you can get involved? You know, if you're just some dude that's read a bunch of books and has accomplished absolutely nothing in your life, you know, Waldenberger, Archie Flower, <laughs> when you see these kind of people, they're really posting on Twitter, they need money so that way they can just afford to live. It's like, oh, I don't care about you. You're, you're a nobody. You got, you know, a couple thousand followers on Twitter. Okay. I don't care about your Twitter following. Are you as a person interesting enough that I want to be I want to be in your company or I want to be like you. If not, then I don't care. I don't want to listen to you. What do you have to offer? Yeah. You may be philosophically uh, consistent and you may well, be that's able what to, they have to offer. That's what they think they have to offer. Right. A lot of people. And again, I know, cause that's what I thought I had to offer. I'm like, no, well, I don't, I don't need to have everything else in order. I'm philosophically right. I'm consistent. And then I'm super consistent. I'm always right. I always say the same thing over and over and over, even when it doesn't work, even when it doesn't apply to the real world. I'm so consistent. So, so what? That, yeah. that, that, that's the whole identity. So when that's the identity, of course, that's what you have to keep doing. Of course, that's what you have to do it over because it's the whole identity. So right. maybe that's just not being your identity. Maybe your identity should be the guy who has so many fucking skills that he's never worried about being put out of work. Right. Maybe, you're the, maybe your identity should be like, I'm, my spirit is so fucking in tune with, and I'm not telling you what, to, I'm not out here telling people to be Orthodox Christians or Buddhists or whatever. I'm not, that's not for me to decide. But maybe your identity should be more along the lines of something like that. Mm-hmm. Something that actually can improve your life and the life of those around you. Being philosophically consistent helps nobody. Yeah, and I get it because I still kind of air back that way over here and there. But at some point, you got to think, you know, what what else is there? Because clearly in this political game, they don't give a fuck about being consistent, right? And it's just about whatever pushes our narrative forward, whatever pushes what we want forward, we're going to go for that. And at some point, you got to quit just (laughs) this is kind of the whole Republican Democrat game, right? The Democrats do whatever the fuck they want to do. The regime does whatever it wants to do. And generally, the political right and those who are good on stuff will just say, oh, my God, I can't believe they're doing this. We'll launch an investigation. Well, they just you know broke every single rule 
that's stated that's in the constitution and you know you guys are just saying oh my god i can't believe they did this okay well, what hypocrites i can't believe they're being hypocrites that's my other fa- that's my other favorite one again yeah. that i used to do myself all the time i pointed out can you believe this guy is such a hypocrite oh can you believe <laughs> yeah of course they're hypocrites they're politicians <laughs> what do you expect yeah and, and dogs wag their tail and eat bones <laughs> okay yeah it, how's it's... that helping me Right. At some point, we have to kind of give a prescription. And like I said, this is why I've admired people who have kind of just taken a step back and said, all right, well, maybe we should try this. Maybe we should try that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess kind of moving on there, um, what personally, you know, for your health, because I've noticed you've kind of brought that up a little bit. And I generally try to leave this for the latter part of the show, but, you know, we're kind of here anyways. Um, In your personal life, what have you kind of done over the last two years that kind of made you at least a better or made you in your mind, at least a better person, you know, like uh, how have you improved your health and what have you kind of done to, you know, change your life ever since 2020 when we all kind of had a great awakening, right. That was forced upon us. Yeah. Well, I will say just to, so people can hear this and understand this, like, well, first of all, I think everyone's always everyone's a work in progress. So I'm Absolutely. not unique in that regard. I, yeah. I'm a work in progress, and like there, like I'm going to talk about right now. I think like one of the most important things, even before your physical health, because they are all tied together, and mm-hmm. you know one goes after the other. But you need to really have your your mental house in order, and it's it, it's not easy to do. There are days like I feel like I'm going to lose my my mind. You know, I'm a mm-hmm. human. I get stressed. I have yeah. anxiety because there's a lot going on. But, you know, like starting my day, even something as simple. And look, it's so obvious, too. It's so obvious to me. The days I get off track are the days I just feel so stressed. And the, the days, but the, it's the, the key to me, just to be more specific, is like starting your day the right way. That's been such a huge thing for me. Um, and when I, I, so I have like a, a sort of a routine that I've, I've gotten into, but there are times I fall off that routine. And then when I, when I remove myself from the situation and I look at the big picture, I'm like, oh yeah, these days that I didn't do the routine, I was stressed out, things went wrong, I, I, I got angry, well, and these days I did. Oh, I had a, I wasn't stressed, even if the same problems are there or the same things I have to deal with, but I dealt with them better. So like starting your day, like not in chaos is huge. Like I used to be big into like, oh, all right, just woke up. Let's open this Twitter here. I like I'd be in bed on Twitter, like or on and going through like I would I would be through every social media app. And sometimes some days I still do it. Again, I'm a work in progress. Like I'm not perfect. But when you start your day like in the social media or like even looking at emails, like if you see an email, someone might ask you for something, and then oh no, that thing's in my mind. Or like the worst thing I, I do is like if I if I realize or I see a message from somebody like hey, there's this mistake in your podcast because then if I see that it's over, like I have to fix my podcast, like I made an uh. editing mistake or something. I'm like nope, can't do nope, can't fuck the morning routine. God, this is like already airing. Like I gotta fix it. Um, but but start, making sure you don't start your day in chaos is so is so fucking huge. So like part of my morning routine when I do it, I did do it today. See, that's why I'm all all good here. Um, <laughs> starting the day with like a meditation. There's like various different meditations. Like I'm bad at meditation, which I know in the meditation world you can't be bad at meditation. But you know, uh, my mind is so never stops. Like you know, it just mm-hmm. it's thought after thought after thought after thought. A lot of people think meditation is like not having the thoughts. And I think for a long time I still tried to make myself think that too. Like. Oh, I, I just have to have nothing like that's not possible. We thoughts, thoughts exist, but it's more about just 
allowing the thoughts to come and being okay with the thoughts coming and just letting them flow. Don't fight them. Don't, you know, don't battle with them. Just see that they're there and, you know, try to move on. And, and so like starting your day just in with some kind of quiet, even if it's just 10 minutes, like, but like, don't do it in bed. Cause then you just like fall back to sleep, like move your body, get up and go to a different place. Like I have a room, the room I'm in now where I podcast. So that's like become like my meditation area too it's just the place i go in the morning that's my space my time no one else's it's for my head to get cleared um and then i do a few different things some of these things might might sound kind of hippie-ish um a lot of them are like alterations on have you ever heard of the miracle morning yeah the guy's been on tom woods and stuff he has a very specific like a regimen about it um and like but I, i take what works for me and maybe don't use what doesn't but like basically in within hopefully within like an hour time span sometimes more, maybe I'll put the exercise at the end, but basically you're, I do the following things are the things I do on the days that I'm doing the things I should be doing and, and that lead to a better day. So I, I do a meditation of some kind, sometimes a prayer or something like that. Um, affirmations and another one that that's, that people think are super cheesy and maybe they're cheesy, but it's a lot of it is like, I don't want to say tricking, but like putting yourself in the right mindset. No. Okay. Yeah. Your, I- I absolutely agree. And I, I think people really underplay how important that is to and give I'm one of them. positive affirmations. Cause yeah. I thought that stuff was so silly too. Like yeah. you think of the Stuart Smalley Saturday night live, like I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh, darn it. People like me, but it's true. And like, okay, just, just saying things doesn't make them true that yeah. I'm not going to pretend they do. But when you tell yourself something that has truth in it and you remind yourself of that thing and you repeat it out loud in words and your brain hears it and your body hears it. It puts you better towards that mentality. So like, I'll say something like, I'll say like, I'm going to have a stress-free day today. I'm going to have a calm and stress-free day today. I say that five or six times your body and mind start to believe that. And then you do it really, it isn't that simple, but it also is that simple. So affirmations are another one uh, that I incorporate. Uh, visualization is another one. Super hippie too, but it is really the same thing. When you visualize things that you want to do in life and to happen in life, it it like this is not like the secret like magic stuff where you oh, I dream of a bicycle and the bicycle showed up on the door. No, but <laughs> if if you picture yourself doing certain things and and you picture the gratitude that you feel doing those things. It just it just orientates your actions and your mindset to do the things that you need to actually do those things. So mm-hmm. it's not magic, but it, it, it helps. And then, of course, the other things I do are more like mental activities that I, I think should always be done. Uh, and so to put them all into this morning routine, it, it, the basic idea is you've done all this stuff before you even have to start the day. So, like, I get up at 6. I got up at 6 a.m. today, and then I had all this stuff done by, like, 8. You know, I, I took a little longer. I drank a lot of water and, you know, kind of went slow about it because I don't have a ton to do today. But by 8 a.m., I've done all this stuff. And then the other ones are um, exercise, reading, and writing. Um, so writing could be anything. I could just be writing my thoughts down. It could be writing things I want to accomplish. Like, it's just it's more the activity than, than the content that really matters. And, um, yeah, but it's, but it's getting, your, getting your mind and your body and your spirit working and, like, alive and awake and going in the morning. And, of course, reading is just a good mental activity. Sometimes I'm reading, like, inspirational stuff. Sometimes I'm just reading, like, now I'm reading the book Dune. So I'm just – I read a few pages of Dune already today. So and like, and that can feel stressful too. Cause I've had days where I wake up a little late and I have somewhere to be at like eight o'clock and I'm like, Oh no, I've got to do all my stuff, but you can do short versions of all this stuff. You can do 30 seconds of exercise, you know, just get your heart moving. You can do, you can read one page of a book, like anything. You can say one affirmation. You can meditate for two minutes. Like you can do all of what I just said in 10 minutes easily. Yeah. 
so there's there's and I say, I say there's no excuse like I'm I didn't do it on Monday and I made the excuses so like again I'm always I'm always talking to myself I'm always talking to the man in the mirror more than anybody anybody else I would say um, especially you know when I get myself on the record in public saying these things it actually helps motivate me too <laughs> it's like my own affirmations you know I'm 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 affirmating to myself out there every day so those are some of the things take what you like discard what you don't like is what I always say with my advice for anything but I can say for me incorporating these things into my life when i do those things in the morning my day is just light years different from my day when i wake up and go get on my phone and fix my podcast like that's what i did monday and monday i was so stressed out and it's all it's so obvious to me oh yeah these days i did these things i was fine the day i didn't i I fucking lost my mind (laughs) yeah well, I like that you uh, mentioned that it's a morning routine because that's so important. And we were, uh, I think it was before we started recording, but you were mentioning kind of having a schedule now, whereas when you were record, when you were working your previous job, you didn't really have a schedule just because it was, you know, okay, you may work late here, um, mm-hmm. early here. Um, starting your day right, it sounds so cliche. It sounds so silly. Um is so freaking important. That's why I, I just feel got, cheesy just talking about it now, but I, yeah. you know, I know it works. But the thing is, not a lot of people get that. And I see some people, you know, in the space saying, oh, I woke up at 10 o'clock this day and, you know, mm-hmm. I woke up at four o'clock this day. Well, your body does like having a circadian rhythm, right? Like when you sleep yeah. at night, your body wants to be cooler. And then actually throughout the night, when you, probably a couple hours before you wake up, your body actually starts to warm up, right? So that's why we want to reach for coffee first thing in the mornings, because when you drink coffee, it's the warm liquid that more wakes you up rather than the caffeine, because caffeine doesn't kick in for about like another half hour. So um, just waking up and kind of getting that right, right off the bat, you know, I wake up in the morning, I cook breakfast, I take my dogs for a walk, um, Mm -hmm. usually all before six o'clock in the morning, because I'm up pretty, yeah, pretty damn early. Usually, I want to do it. I really want to do it at five, but I'm Give one step at a time, you know, like yeah, do yeah, it yeah. first at a time I can manage and then maybe slowly creep it up. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people could take um, a lot away from what you said there. It's just having that routine, doing something consistent. And it is about baby steps, right? So whenever I talk to people about improving their health and fitness, it's like, okay, can you do a little bit more walking at, you know, during the day? Let's say go for a walk after you eat just maybe once or twice a day. That's going to be huge. Just eat a little bit more protein throughout the day. So that way you can, you know, you get, you're more satiated. So you're not going to want to binge later when you get home, just small stuff you can do to improve and those positive affirmations. That's something nice and easy. And the only thing have to be 100% true. You know, you could just say, all right, well, I'm going to try to not eat as much today. I'm going to try and get a little bit more activity in today. I'm, I'm worthy of doing only thing this. I'll, only thing I'll dispute there is I would throw that. I listen to Yoda, man. I throw that word try out of there. There's yeah. no try do or do not. And, yeah, I, and, no, I, and I think I think at the at the end of the day, yes, it is just you trying. But when you when you don't when you when you use the word try, like I'm gonna like for example, if I say like I'm gonna try to get up tomorrow at this time, I know what that means. It means I'm not getting up at that time. <laughs> yeah. If I'm gonna get up tomorrow at six, then I'm gonna get up at six. And yeah. and not giving yourself that try out to me, it like it guarantee maybe it doesn't guarantee you're gonna do it, but it, it kind of does, you know, because you're not yeah. giving yourself the, the out. And then you're like, you're, it puts yourself in that mindset of, oh yeah, this is the thing I'm doing. Cause I I'm doing it. So right. anyway, not, not to, not to quibble on either. No, no, you're good. You're good. Um, but I think this was, and a lot of people throw rocks at him, but Jordan Peterson, I think a lot of his appeal was the fact that he was basically telling people like you should improve and you can do better. And like I said, I know a lot of people kick rocks at him, but his fundamental kind of message was that of responsibility and at least trying to 
clean your room as cliche as it is and as beat to death as it is um there's something very very important about that we've been kind of hitting on it for quite a while um it is important that you have your house in order and that you do take care of yourself because once again what kind of leader can you be if you know your house is in order if you aren't somebody that's worth listening to when you are archie flower john waldenberger and you're throwing temper tantrums in a public place flipping people off as you leave um what does that say to the rest of the world that says you're you're a child you're the same as a child who got on the landing in their house and started slamming their fists on the steps because you didn't get your way that's exactly what it looks like and uh, i'm sorry i don't want anywhere around these kind of people it's the same deal with people who treat you know restaurant staff like shit like i don't, I don't want yeah, anything uh, to do with you right so I, I think a lot of people should just you know do something just try to improve your health for what it was yesterday and you know, if that's positive affirmations, if that's walking, if that's changing up your diet a little bit, even, and I'm totally against, but going plant-based or something like that, if you think that's going to improve your health, more power to you. For some people that, you know, uh, it's not my thing either, but it honestly, like everybody's body and everybody's situation is different. Like for my wife's situation, like, you know, when she went totally vegan for a while, she's not necessarily now, but she, for a reason, she did give that a try and it changed her life for those months. And it was just, you know, so she's not fully vegan at the moment necessarily, but it, you know, depending on everybody's health conditions or health things or whatever, but you know, there are, I don't think there's one health prescription, food diet prescription no, for, for, any, for any one person you can recommend. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> but I love steak. So like, yeah. but I have, you know, I have really, I consume way less because my wife mostly cooks vegetarian and cooks really good stuff and nice. it's great. And then I'll eat meat sometimes, but then when I do, it's like, it's more rare. And it's like, I, I get like a really good steak instead of like eating a bunch of meat all week long. I'd rather just like have the one small piece of really, really high quality, good steak or something. And then I, you know, I just, I feel better about it that way. And it feels more of like a treat instead of like eating, like, you know, I don't eat meat like all, all day throughout the day, really. Mm -hmm. oh man i'm the exact opposite I, yeah. yeah yeah no no and i never um i had adam kokesh on a couple weeks ago and uh he's you know full plant-based and i i think and jacked as fuck so yeah you know. yeah well that that's why I, when him and i were talking about it, i'm like well you clearly have good genetics right i mean i did mm -hmm. carnivore for two years and i lost 45 pounds i had visual abs nice. and i was running like I ran a half marathon. I was running like seven and a half minute miles. I was, I was doing really good deadlifting over 400 pounds. Now, obviously, since I've introduced other foods, I eat mostly like meat, fruit, and protein bars. That's like my diet essentially now. But I, I feel fantastic. Um, so I guess kind of pivoting back to libertarianism, uh, it, it's almost like some people are unable to have a preference when it comes to government. And if you are still kind of stuck in that la la land where you can't say, well, this is preferential to this. Um, I don't know how useless you are. Um, you quote tweeted someone who will not be named, but I think everybody's going to know who we're talking about. We can name them. I don't care. I, I, I like him. So I've had him on my show. But yeah. And so have I. So have I. <laughs> <laughs> Spike tweeted out about keeping government out of um, children and them transitioning. And I quote tweeted him and I said, look, I, I love Spike, but this is a bad take. And I think it's fair for us to criticize people and tell them when they're wrong. Like, I'm sorry, I don't think if we have a government, then it's perfectly OK to say that we shouldn't allow children to chop their dicks off. <laughs> we shouldn't allow them to mutilate their vaginas. Um, yeah. 
in especially when you have entire institutions built around indoctrinating children and teaching them this is okay maybe it's okay if we say okay the government should step in and say hey you can't chop your kid's dick off when they're 15 years old (laughs) this is where being the perfect libertarian becomes a problem Mm -hmm. and spike is the perfect libertarian and i mean that in both a good and bad way yeah i i mean like he he really does have the right quote unquote like right perfect anarcho-capitalist answers to everything Mm -hmm. but there's no context to the right anarcho-capitalist answers to everything so kind of like you said there yeah maybe i don't in a perfect world want a a monopoly on forced local or otherwise existing in the first place. Maybe it should be done in another way. Maybe it should exist in another way, but it's kind of just as silly or more silly maybe than saying, well, yeah, I mean, rape isn't great, but like we can't have the government coming in and intervening. That's a, mo- that's a monopoly on force. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. so it's like when it comes to this issue, but like, I just, I just don't, I really find it, I don't, I don't think Spike is being disingenuous. I think he probably believes what he says. But whether it's intended or not, I think it is a disingenuous thing to just call hormone blockers a medical treatment or something. And his argument is, well, this should be a decision between parents and their doctors and what have you. Um, it, it's, I guess the question is, when, when is, when is a treatment abuse? Mm-hmm. When is a treatment abuse? And if the parent agrees to do something and a doctor, look, we did, he acts like we didn't spend two years with doctors telling people to jab their, their kids with a, a fucking a vaccine that we know it does, any, any fucking rational human can just look at the very basic facts and say, this is obviously not only unnecessary, but obviously risky and dangerous to do, but mm-hmm. doctors said it. So I guess it's just to be a decision between doctors and parents. No, I'm sorry. At some point, like at some point, abuse is abuse. And if a parent and a doctor collude to abuse a child, it's appropriate for a third party, whatever that party may be, to intervene. And if that party is what we call the government, then I'm sorry. You need to stop being triggered by that word. And yes, I'm, I will proudly and boldly say that if you'd give hormone blockers to a child who's seven years old or eight years old, who's clearly a male and was born with a penis and his body produces a lot of like hor- like testosterone or what have you, and that one day that kid says, hey, I think I'm a girl, and you give that kid hormone blockers, you are abusing that child and you should be fucking stopped. And if you're in my covenant community, you're going in the fucking gulags. Mm-hmm. And there's no quibbling about this. Yeah. It's child abuse. Period. End of fucking story. And I don't care about your stupid anarcho-capitalist arguments about why when the perfect soul, well, really, this should be done. But no, shut the fuck up. You're abusing children, and it needs to be stopped. Right. Yeah. And I. And, I and, and I like you said, just to elaborate, you, yeah. it's and the, to the point that it's it, we're, people are living in this bubble. You act like we don't have an entire system through governance, through government, through politics, through culture, through media that is trying to encourage kids to do this. It's not just happening in a bubble. It's not like, and people try to say things like, oh, they've seen evidence that there's different brain mat material in the, the trans. Okay, cool. Doesn't mean you get to castrate them. <laughs> like, I'm not disagreeing that someone who thinks they're, who is a man and feels better as a woman isn't doesn't have a mental problem and doesn't need help and shouldn't have sympathy i do think they should have all those things but that doesn't mean you can castrate children 
Period. Yeah, it like it, there's no there's no point where I'm gonna go. Okay, you're right. They're they're a little confused. They have a mental condition, so we should probably just castrate them. We should probably just guillotine their dick, right? Yeah, yeah that's it's perfectly fine. Yeah, I, I don't see any problem with what you said, and uh, you know, obviously in an ideal society, yes, we could have parents who inform their children and then wait till they're older but like we're not fucking there i I, your your child's genitalia and you know their hormones the way they're growing up that's not up for debate right indoctrinating children and pumping them full fucking hormones this isn't up for debate i'm sorry you know i plan to have kids within the next year or two sorry you're not gonna fucking tell my child that just you know they have a penis well you could be a girl if you want okay if they make that decision when they're an adult whatever i don't care but as a kid don't fucking tell my kid that he could be a fucking girl what the fuck's wrong with you yeah a 30 year old dude wants to chop their dick off and start wearing a dress call himself sally have at it yeah i, really I still might think you're that. silly and probably need help yeah but whatever have at it but you do that yeah. to a child no we have a problem right um i kind of wanted to bring up another point too that you kind of challenged my thoughts on this and i ended up agreeing with you but uh the surrogacy right there is a big old stink around surrogacy and initially my take was kind of the standard libertarian take hey you know if the mother consents and she's all right with having this kid then you know well i guess the gay parents can go have that kid because the mother's agreed but then i I, once i saw your take on it i kind of thought about a little bit more i'm like well you know what mother or um children are basically biologically wired to be with their mother so mm-hmm. when you remove that child from that habitat, that child did not get to make that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is something that makes me uncomfortable. I don't know where to land on this because, okay, if gay people want kids, then how do they get kids? I mean, there's kids up for adoption. Okay, adopt one. But, you know, if they want to have a baby, I, I where do you fall on this? Because well, once I mean, again, if, you shouldn't if separate. They, if they want to have a biological baby. Uh, I have some ideas, but I don't think they're going to like it. You know, you, you make love to a woman and you impregnate them and that's how you have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, now this, this is a tricky one. I, I will be honest. And this is one yeah. when I tweeted about it, I was actually still sort of forming my thoughts on it in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, here's the thing. And this is something I've learned as an adult that I maybe didn't really think the same way of when I was younger because I didn't really see it, but I can see it now for some context. I was adopted at birth. My adoption was arranged before my birth. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and I am incredibly grateful for it. Um, I, I somewhat under- know the circumstances of that adoption and the family I was put with, who I call my parents, who are my parents, um, couldn't have been raised better. I was raised in a middle-class household. I, have a, I, you know, I had everything I could ever want and especially seeing how some other people have grown up like even when you're a kid you just think everybody is the same like i have no doubt that i was yeah. I'm put into a better situation um but that is not the same as a surrogacy it's actually totally the opposite of a surrogacy uh mm-hmm. so in a regular adoption like the for whatever the reason may be the mother and father or what have you don't want either can't or don't want to or aren't in the right circumstances to raise the child and they decide to give it up for adoption and then another family that wants to have a child and can't for whatever reason or doesn't takes that baby and puts them in a better situation because their parents don't want to raise them or can't raise them, whatever it may may be. So that's an improvement to a situation. When you're, when, when this, with this thing with surrogacy, what they're doing is intentionally creating a life that is maybe partially theirs. I think it might've been one of theirs. Father might've been one of them or something. Mm -hmm. And then putting that in a woman. And then when that child is born, you've already created the conditions that you don't need to be, that don't need to be created 
to remove that that child from the mother. And when I say remove, I mean the physical, like, and this is something I didn't really fully understand when I was growing up or until like really recently, like the way that a, a fetus and a baby, like the bond it has with the physical mother it's inside, yes. even if it is, is biological and it's, it's on another scale and it's, it's wired into us to want to stay with that mother. So when the first, first thing that happens to that baby is to be taken away from that mother, it is traumatic. Yes. It is absolutely mm-hmm. traumatic. And I understand things in my life now that I, like my, my past, a lot of my past relationships with women, uh, the way I react to certain things, I can now kind of see like, Oh, that's cause I experienced trauma as a baby. And I don't blame anybody for it. I think my birth parents did the right thing. And I think my parents that raised me did the right thing. So I'm not upset about it but I can see it and understand it. So you shouldn't intentionally create that situation is, is what I'm saying. And to me, this idea of, well, but how else are they going to have their own biological baby? Why are you giving the answer to make love to a woman? Um, <laughs> maybe get over that. You know, there's a, there's so many babies that are born out there that are already going to be in that circumstance. They're already going to be removed from the mother. They're already going to experience that trauma. So maybe you should adopt one of those babies that are already up for adoption because there's tons of them. There's a bunch of them. And my nephew is, is adopted too. So like my, I am an adopted family. Like, you know, I'm, I'm fully in favor of adoption, extremely in favor of adoption, but to intentionally create the situation for out of, out of the blue, because you're two guys and gosh, darn it. My semen's got to make my, my genes got to be in this baby. Well, you're intentionally creating a life that you're intending I don't think they're intending. Obviously, I don't think they really think this. I think they just want to have a child. I, I get it. But they are intentionally creating the circumstances for that trauma that that child will deal with. Now, after that, one of, uh, one of my friends actually tweeted back at me something that did get me thinking a little bit differently. Like, do you think that this child, when they grow up, if, 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 I, if I make my argument to them, do you think they will rather have, have had that trauma and have been raised by two successful gay parents or have not been born? And that actually did get me thinking a little bit. So like I'm not. This isn't necessarily a fully formed thought because I was like, oh well, okay, that's interesting. Because I think maybe they, they will probably say they would have rather been born, maybe, or maybe their life sucks and they don't. I don't. You know, I don't know. But it's a. It's a. That did get me thinking about it. Like okay, well, I see that perspective and that gets me thinking about it mm-hmm. more. But generally, you know, look, we all have options. Not everybody can biologically conceive. And I'm not saying like surrogacy should be banned or anything, but I, I think it's something to not necessarily be celebrated either. It's like. And not, I'm not saying it from the playing God aspect. I'm just saying it from what I just said. Like you're that that child is 100 going to be traumatized by the act of removing him from the, the womb he was raised in as the first act. It, it's going to be traumatized in ways that it will not really understand for a long time. So right. maybe we should think twice about that. And maybe it's okay if your semen doesn't create the kid. And if you want that so bad again, I, there's ways. I, there's so many ways you can do that. <laughs> Yeah, one's one's pretty simple, and for you know straight people, it's very very fun. <laughs> yes. But um, th- this kind of yeah. touches on what... <laughs> <laughs> most of the time, you know, we yeah. all have our we all have our weird moments. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, well, or, you know, it's 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 been a long day. You might have drank a little too much whiskey in the sun or yeah. something like that. Um, one of my or one of the people actually brought me into libertarianism was a uh, Stefan Molyneux and he was so good on family stuff and so many libertarians just read the thought of him because he was controversial but um I think it's something that we need to talk about and this kind of gets to the surrogacy issue where okay well if you have two gay parents then who's the mom right because the, <laughs> I'll be the first one to admit there are plenty of things I'm great at that my fiance is not great at there's plenty of things that my fiance is great at that I'm not great at that's okay. I can accept that we're inherently different. And this is a controversial statement, 2022, that 
men and women are different. Holy shit. Um, you're that child's not going to get the rightful experience of having a mother and a father. And once again, this child did not choose its parents, right? When you're a kid, you don't get to choose your parents. We joke about it in kind of like the health and fitness space, you know, your genetics suck. You chose the wrong parents. Well, in this situation, you didn't get to choose. And now you're kind of thrust into an odd situation. And I, I hope that they do great. I hope this child becomes a very, you know, great person, whatever. Of course. But this is like you were saying, a situation that you're creating intentionally where it's going to be at a biological kind of disadvantage because it's not going it's incredibly to incredibly get... selfish yeah. I, I, I right. think, to, to think that yes. the whole reason for doing it this way the only reason they didn't just adopt one of the many available ch children that need to be adopted either in the united states all around the world maybe it's a little extra work gotta fill out some paperwork mm -hmm. like there's plenty of there's plenty of them trust me yeah. um it's 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 really like i must have my genes my... well guess what i hate to break it to you guys biology already failed you here <laughs> yeah. so yeah I don't know what to tell you. Like, mm -hmm. maybe that's insensitive, but it's the truth. Right. Yeah. So, in, I guess I want to ask you this question too. I'm personally pro life, and this is another controversial topic within libertarian spheres, but um, uh, I come at it from the view of responsibility, where if you're a woman, you should be very, very particular about who you sleep with, right? Because the consequences could be you have a fucking child. So don't open your legs up for every stranger who walks by, because guess what? If you get knocked up and then you become a single mom, you have now put that child in that situation where they're extremely disadvantaged. And this isn't like up for debate or anything like that. Single moms with kids, those kids are very, very disadvantaged. And I say this as a kid who grew up with a single mom, right? I mean, my mom worked a hundred hours a week. Um, I've gone into the past a little bit here. She had cancer and I mean, she worked her ass off, but you know, we weren't, we, my brother and I did relatively well for what we had. Right. But yeah. if you're going to just go around and know oh, it's free love, you can sleep with whoever you want this, you know, kind of hippie left-leaning libertarianism. I, I, I don't like it at all. And I do not want to associate with these kind of people who think you can just go around and have orgies and, you know, well, if a baby's a result of it, well, we should be able to kill that baby at any moment. So, um, I didn't expect to go down this rabbit hole, but, uh, where do you fall on the, uh, abortion? And I guess, kind of tailing into that um, social conservatism as well, because I consider myself a socially conservative libertarian. This is an area I've definitely like uh, evolved on a lot over the years. Mm -hmm. Like I've hosted, I hosted a huge debate actually. Uh, Walter Block. Yeah. And yeah. all that. Mm -hmm. Walter Block, Dave Smith and Ovens O'Brien taking basically three different positions on abortion, yeah. pro-life, uh, pro-choice and evictionism. And Walter Block's it's been one of those other things where it's like, I'm trying to figure out the perfect libertarian and Kaplan answer. And I, that's why I always ran into roadblocks with it. Cause it's, there is really, it's a really, it is a tough issue. I'm not mm -hmm. going to pretend that it's not. Um, but, and I used to, but, and I'll be honest, I used to be a lot more of a degenerate. I used to be a lot more of a, just eh, so, so have I, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so, so have I, like, yeah, like a, a lot, a <laughs> very, very, very degenerate. And uh, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> but, but I, my, I think my perspectives have changed so much because I think I just sense evil now more. Like I, I don't have, I think so much for so long, libertarianism was my religion. So my focal point, my God was the NAP. So I would look, look to the Lord, the NAP for the answers to everything. Yeah. 
but there's <laughs> I think there's a little more to, to morality than just the NAP. Um, and I, I think now I see just for one example, like there was an article that was shared around a little while ago and, and it was like, um, it was like studies show that couples who cheat on each other are happier. <laughs> like, and I'm like, okay. And, and like, and it's, it sounds so absurd because it's absurd. Of course. Yes. It's absurd. Like, sure. I'm sure the, like if a couple is having a terrible relationship and then two of them go, they go sleep with other people. Yeah. They experience those moments of happiness, of euphoria of the, the but they're not, don't tell me their relationship is better or happier oh. or that's obviously nonsense. No matter what a study. They're believing shows. their own bullshit. Yeah. Well, not only that, but worse than that, I think, I actually think it is insidious now. Like, I think there is an insidious nature to a lot of this messaging. And I, I feel like, you know, um, uh, like a Pat Robertson or something growing up, like a hardcore Christian conservative or Rick Santorum or something when I say stuff like this now, but like, it's so obvious to me that so much of this push of like, uh, of, you know, like, um, sexual imagery, um, like a push for porn, easy access to porn. Um, all of this stuff is obviously unhealthy and mm -hmm. obviously is done with an intention, an intention of destroying society. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, destroying society, destroying the fabric of society. That yes. is what the left is doing. That is what progressivism is doing. That is the intent of it. And they will state it as much. If you just listen to them, that's what they want to do. They want to destroy the society as we see it. They want to build back better and to build back better. You have to destroy, destroy the family, destroy decency, destroy morality, destroy ethics, destroy spirituality, destroy it all. So we can reset this shit. That's what they're doing. So now it's it's hard for me, and I'm just to get back to the pro pro. I mean, if if, if you're if you're going to peg me down, I'm going to say pro life now, which I I would have cringed at that like a decade ago. Okay. Um, but it's it's yeah. I mean, I, I think it's disgusting that I mean that that people essentially use. I'm not saying abortion should never be allowed because I think that's tricky and it is a medical issue, and there yeah. might be circumstances where you need to do that or where it makes sense. So I would be very hesitant to like ban it entirely in that circumstance, mm -hmm. but. But morally speaking, and I also, but I also hate the argument like, well, I'm against it, but I don't think the government should be involved because that's just stupid and retarded. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if you think it's murder, like if you're actually, if you actually think it's murder, then it's re beyond retarded to be like, but they shouldn't get involved because that's the same thing as like a rape or the, the castrating the kids. It's like, no, if you actually think it's murder, you want someone involved, whether it's you or your neighbors or whatever you, security service or the state, whatever isn't able to step in if you actually think it's immoral and completely wrong yes of course someone should, should step in and get involved um yeah. yes is it is it is it difficult to take that and transplant this on our society where it's abortion as a right is so ingrained and and a woman's right to fuck every man she sees is just so ingrained in the culture it's not really easy to do and i don't want to go jailing women around but yeah. um I, I don't and i don't know where to start with it but it's obviously morally wrong I mean, to me, it, 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 I mean, the way, the way it is utilized in our society, you're to, to act like we're not taking a life. Uh, that's the one, that's the thing that's like, or the clump of cells argument. Like, well, it's just a clump of cells, a clump of cells currently growing into a living, breathing in the process of growing into <laughs> a living, breathing human. So it's, it's, it's so obviously a life. So if it's obviously life, then killing it is obviously taking a life. And if we're against aggression, I don't see how that cannot be considered aggression.
Yeah, and I 100% agree. The way, and this kind of gets to a bigger picture thing that we could probably hit on, and we'll probably close out here in a few minutes because I I want to be respectful of your time, and you've been very generous, and I've really enjoyed this conversation. But um, when it comes to abortion, I feel like we've educated people very very poorly, where we've essentially told them that this is you know you're not taking a life, and that you go girl. We have all these social conventions. I was kind of talking about this the other day when um. I was thinking about Me Too is that it's convenient that Me Too came up when it did because this was a movement for like 10 years prior to when it was really big in like 2017, right? Well, we had a male president who was supposed to be the chauvinist Republican that represents family values, right? And, you know, the strong male. Well, of course, it's going to come up right then because now the the male is in charge. So now we can go after men. And it wasn't just an attack on sexual assault or um, people who sexually assault, right? It was an attack on masculinity because look how many people they went after. And it was incessant. So, you know, now every girl has expe- experienced um, sexual harassment and it, um, it's... It was so ridiculous, but we have all these social conventions to make women feel good about their choices when they do bad things. And we put men down. And I think that's, it's absolutely disgusting, but um, kind of the big picture idea that I'm getting at here is that I feel the same way about like police and military, right? Is that you're indoctrinated from the time you're young to think that all police serve and protect and that all military people you're fighting for freedoms, all women, they're taught that you can kill your child and that's perfectly okay. You have all these social conventions to excuse doing very, very bad things. I don't think we should jail women for aborting their child, but I think we need to educate them and tell them like, Hey, you are killing your child. Like this, you need to be responsible with your reproductive you know with yeah, with your most valuable start asset. there right. like maybe we don't start with physical punishment but we could we at least start by not saying it's great could yeah. we at least start by not celebrating it could we yeah. at least start by not having the government pay for it could we just start mm-hmm. with the basics on yeah. that and once you get the morality better off and the and again it's all to change in the culture and and mm-hmm. that's why i think we need to battle in the culture and we need to change the hearts and minds in the culture and we need to be bold and say no this is wrong about things and that that's why i quote tweeted Squ- spike because i i can't just sit by and act like it's fine to it's fine for him to say it. He can say whatever he wants, but I'm not going to say the old Mark would have said, well, I might want to have this guy on the show. And I've already had spike on. And I'm sure I'll have him on again, you know, but like the old Mark would be too afraid to offend anybody. And I just want to be the, 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 the safe zone for Liberty, whatever. Like, everybody can come on. So I'm not afraid to go after people. It's not personal, but yeah. well, maybe it is actually, if you're, if you're okay with castrating kids, maybe that is personal <laughs> to me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to say what's right. And I think we all need to be bolder and say yeah. what we think is right. And if, if that causes friction with some people, oh, well, that's life. You can't please everyone. No, absolutely. And to touch on the culture thing, I do think it's important that we start kind of addressing culture because we could just sit here and be right all day, every day. But if we don't have a cohesive culture, then what, what is our movement? It's just this amorphous blob of people who just shout on Twitter about how right they are. Well, once again, in my mind, I'm a socially conservative libertarian. I think we should have jacked and tan libertarians with, you know, a full family, people who take care of themselves and their communities going forth and then doing political action. You hammer all your nails in at home and then yes. you can go forth and take political action. If you're an activist first and then you're trying to, you know, oh, I need a ride to get to the convention. I need money so I can go to all of these places. Then mm-hmm. I, I don't think you're the best person to put forth as an activist. And this kind of uh, compliments someone like Dave Smith, right? He's a comedian. He's independently wealthy. 
you can admire somebody. Like that, independently right? wealthy. That implies he could just uh, just stop working tomorrow. But yeah, I mean, he, he set himself up to to be in a good situation for sure. Right, right. And, and libertarianism isn't his only thing. And that's what personally I try to do. Like last yeah. night, um, my band played with Firehouse. Um, I run the nice. podcast. I'm a mechanic. I, I got lots of irons in the fire, right? Um, I think that's the way a lot of libertarians should be. And I think you're, you came to that realization as well. And obviously I came to that realization after you guys, because all you guys have been doing this much longer than me, but um, you know, I'm an advocate for just making libertarians better and then making a cohesive culture around socially conservative libertarians who are good people rather than just a bunch of activists who are all over the place. Um, that's kind of my vision for it. The, the term pillar of the community is a term that has been around for a long time and it, ha- it has meaning. A pillar is something that holds up things. It, it, it helps the community stand and stay afloat. So if you're trying to just be the best libertarian and that's your only quality, yes. that's and that your identity is that you're not helping the community. You're not going to become a pillar of anything and mm-hmm. no one wants to follow you. But if you become a pillar of the community, and you become someone, you become one of those people that everyone thinks of like, oh, this thing is happening. Call, call Bob. Bob always helps with stuff like this. Bob knows, Bob always knows what to do. Well, if Bob happens to be a libertarian too, and they and people already follow him, guess who they're going to, whose opinions they're going to want to come to on things. They're going to want to come to you. So if you just become a good, a better person, I know it sounds so simple, so simplistic, and so cheesy and it's not easy at all it's like the hardest thing you can do that's why so many people don't want to do it because it's the hardest thing you can do is improve yourself the hardest thing you can do is improve your situation in life the easiest thing to do is be right that's so easy we can all just be right but it's it's a lot harder to improve your own situation and it takes work a lot of work and a lot of people don't want to work so i get it but don't expect to be followed then either if you don't want to put in the work because people respect people can see who does the work and and the and the, just doing the work, it's not the labor theory of value. So I don't care if you spent 10,000 hours gathering signatures for some candidate that, that's not going to get anywhere. That's not doing the work to me. And no one, and no one in your, you know how you can tell? Because no one in your community is going to give a shit if you did that. But if you're actually helping people in your community, if you're actually someone that people come to for advice and for help because you are helpful, then, then they're going to naturally care more about what you think. And they're going to naturally follow your opinions and thoughts on things. Yeah, that's... That's my exact thought on it. That's 100% spot on. And I think plenty of people in our movement kind of need to take a note from that and just say, look, we got to hammer everything out personally and then go be activists. And it goes back to the point earlier, you're leading sheep to the slaughter. If you're telling these people who are absolute messes, they can't even hold a conversation with someone of the opposite sex to go out and lead a political movement. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, you're a joke. Um, I got a couple questions I ask. Um, every guest, or at least I try to. <laughs> Mark, what does uh, liberty look like to you? Whew. Oh, man. How much more time do we have now? Um, <laughs> well, in a, in a technical state, you know, to me, like the actual, if we're getting serious about definitions, liberty would be the state of not having your your natural rights infringed. That would be like the ANCAP was Dan, you know, like, and, mm-hmm. and I agree with that definition of, of what liberty is actually. But like when it comes to our own lives, like, you have to do a lot more than just be able to state that state what what your rights are you have to actually mm-hmm. put yourself in a better situation so your rights can be taken away less and you can look at rights in different ways like so for example if you're in a situation where tomorrow if your company says you have to take this shot and if you don't take the shot you you can look at your life and say well i i starve tomorrow if i don't take the shot you don't have a lot of liberty then 
you know? So yeah. putting yourself in that better situation to not have to do things that, that whether it's legal or not is kind of fucking irrelevant because if, if there's, whether there's a law that says you have to take a vaccine or whether there's a company that says it and you can't do anything about it because you don't have the resources to, to resist it, you're in the same situation. So, you know, so to me, liberty is for a person is putting themselves and creating the situation for themselves where they are most unlikely or, or most able to resist having their rights infringed. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, what does health look like to you? Oh boy. Um, what does health look like to me? That's a, that's a hell of a question. I, um, to, to me, I, I, cause I, to me, it's like a constantly influx state. Like no one's ever in perfect health and no one's, unless they're dead is not in perfect, terrible health. You know, we're all there. It's, it's always a continuum. So to me, health, health would be, you know, the, the, the constant action of improving areas of health of your life and to me their areas of health in your life are mental physical spiritual and then financial i only put it underneath that because i think you need the others to be able to achieve that but if you're healthy you're working to improve all of those all the time nice yeah i 100 percent agree um mark where can everybody find you and what do you got cool coming um going on in the future all right. Well, there, there's so much. Of course, Lions of Liberty. You can find me uh, every Monday. My show comes out. Um, you can either find it on the Lions of Liberty Network feed, which is kind of like our um, the, the, the feed for all our shows, where you have myself. You got Brian on Wednesdays with Electric Liberty Land. He's going to be rebranding soon. Uh, Finding Freedom on Thursdays with John Odermatt. That's all of our, our our family of programs. You can find me there on Mondays. I also have my own feed that also has the same show on Monday, uh, plus some bonus shows. And when I'm on, I'm on a lot of other podcasts, I may even share this show there, this episode on there, because I really have enjoyed this one um so yeah you can if you want to just find all the mark claire content you can subscribe to lions of liberty with mark claire you can also support us on patreon patreon.com slash lions liberty we do tons of bonus content uh in my other life my non-liberty life i'm i also co-host a uh, comic book podcast called the second print comics podcast so you can find that secondprintcomics.com or on any podcatcher or what have you um i also do some writing as soon as we hang up, I'm going to do some writing right now, actually, on my Substack. Uh, it's called Metanoia, markclair.substack.com. I think that's about everything. Twitter is where you can find me the most. Uh, that's how we connected for the interview, at Mark, M-A-R-C, the letter D, at Mark D. Clare, C-L-A-I-R, at Mark D. Clare is my Twitter. So that's the, that's probably the best place to get me, to be honest. Nice, nice. Well, yeah, dude, I really enjoyed this conversation and um, would love to do it again sometime because I, there's still some stuff bouncing around in my head that I like to bounce off you. So uh, I'm game, brother. Nice, man. All right. Well, uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed. Um, if you're looking for supplements, go to axonsledge.com. Use code Matovic10, M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K-1-0 for a little discount. Let them know I send you your way. And um, until next time, everybody, take care. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.